Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were a but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267-22-Jiggy. Daddy Hunt. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? I want to be that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy play guitar. Jeff. It's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and, uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my tricks up there. Thank you very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Welcome to a action-packed edition of the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar radio program. Coast-to-coast and border-to-border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, Stitcher, 50-plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world, iHeartRadio as well. We've got a great guest with us today. Also, let's go to the Skype, and we've got Dan Perkins from uh, TheHill.com. And of course, many other blogs. I, 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 he, he writes for everybody. It seems like these days, and, uh, and Constitution.com now. <laughs> Constitution.com, and we've also got our good friend Donald Mazzella with us today. Don is amazing. He is from SB Digest. He is our newspaper man. He is also a journalist. That's not just a rip and read journalist. He actually goes out and hunts down news. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to have Don and Dan with us today. Uh, uh, we were supposed to have IQR Rizzoli with us today, but he is, uh, quote-unquote, taking the week off to cleanse himself as, of Islam. And, uh, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> he will be back with us next week on our program. And uh, joining us on the telephone is uh, Kathy Lynn Taylor. She is our female voter analyst, and she is the author of Red is the New Black, How Women Can Fashion a More Powerful America. Kathy was President George W. Bush. National Security Council's Director for International Finance Policy responds, and uh, she's with us today here on the telephone as well. And um, Kathy, before we get started with you and Dan and Don, tell us a little bit about your book, my friend. Oh, thanks so much. Well, it's great to be here with all of you. It's such a pleasure. And I wrote this book because I think we're, we have an opportunity to change the conversation, which is really needed in America. You know, yes. when I started writing the book, we weren't in the predicament we are now, but boy, is it timely. And I wanted to do two things. I wanted to bring the conversation back to values, things that, the, the things that we find common ground on in these uncommon times, and the values that make not only women fantastic, but also men and also that are the bedrock of our country. Values like personal accountability and financial independence and strength. And then I look at the values and the policies that have supported those values in the best way over time. And I find that despite Democrats saying that's a liberal message, it's not. It's a conservative policy that's best empowered American values over time. So I wrote this book because I wanted to have a conversation with women. I wanted them to feel like there was a policy and how they could reclaim policy in their own lives, their yeah. friends, but also for all Americans who want to reclaim public policy and make it work for them in their everyday lives. 
Now, now, Kathy, the uh, the the VP debate fairly recently, they they were trying to fight for women votes. I know that uh, fairly recently, this debate we had with uh, the second debate with Trump and Hillary, they're out there fighting for female votes. What 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 do you, what do you make of the the candidates, whether it's right, left, uh, their message to try to get the female voter? And then I'll let Dan and Don jump in. I call. Jiggy, uh, will you ask her to talk louder? I'm not hearing her. Yeah, can, can you can you speak up a little bit, uh, Kathy? Sure. I call this the election a 52% shades of gray election. Okay. 52% of women voters in America and shades of gray because we've been to the forgotten conversation. How ironic that we have the first female candidate for president and the conversation about women and public policy has been virtually non-existent. I think both sides have really left an opportunity on the table to touch the women voters, to connect with the women voters, and that's a real shame because they will decide the election. Now, now, Don, Don Mazzella's been uh, following this election. Uh, he's been with us each and every week talking about the election. I know that he's been on many other radio programs as well. Um, Don, do you have any questions here for, for Kathy? Well, you know, uh, Jiggy, I, I, I would like to say... You know, uh, both both candidates have ignored the issue that, that's really closer to women's uh, hearts than anything else, which is the economy. The, the, uh, I believe, and I still still do, after spending the last three, four days talking to people, that the, the economy is still the number one issue. And whether you're a man or a woman, it, it makes no difference. If you, if if the a candidate could come forward and say, this is the road to uh, economic prosperity, they will win the women's vote, the men's vote, and everybody else's vote. But the, um, what she's saying is very accurate, but but again, to me, the, uh, I, I, when I do an election, uh, and I go back, uh, uh, I probably quote him too much, but David Broder, um, uh, who was the great Washington Post columnist, Yes. Uh, used to go out and, and tour the country before an election. And he always said the same thing. When it came down to it, most people voted on, on core issues. And a core issue is not whether Trump did this or Bill Clinton did that, but, but rather, how are you going to help me uh, get, put more money in my pocket? Yes. And, and I really believe that's the issue. I'd like her to comment on it. Yes, Kathy, jump in. I think in. You, you, absolutely, you hit the nail on the head. And what's such a shame is here we have, you know, obviously a savvy businessman, but he hasn't been able to articulate that argument to the next level. And then we have Hillary Clinton, who knows very little about the economy except for how to line our own pockets. I mean, gosh, let's just look at the statistics. Over the last eight years, we've had two million more women fall into poverty. Yes. Women have lost rates as I uh, lost jobs, I'm sorry, at a rate 12 times faster than men. African-American men are getting pummeled in the job market. Yep. The statistics are not good, and yet no candidate is speaking about how to help us. And while I know it's not popular, no one is talking about entitlements. And you fundamentally, anybody will tell you who knows anything about government, you cannot reform our economy unless you start to tackle that problem. And we've got to stop talking about it in the terms of Washington mumble-jumble. We've got to make that argument much clearer, much more relatable for the average person, because every single one of us, every baby, 
every woman, every grandmother, every grandfather owes over $57,000 if we want to get rid of our debt. But people don't understand how it impacts them because we make it too complicated in the conversation. We've got to cut to the chase and make it relatable and make it real because we have a real problem. Neither candidate has said a word on entitlement. Now, Dan, uh, listening to all this, uh, Kathy brings uh, a lot of experience yes. to this. What, what, what do you, what do you think about some of the things that she's saying? Yes. And uh, give us your thoughts on it. Well, I like what she's saying um, uh, a lot. Um, I uh, this is the first opportunity that I've had to be on a show with either a Republican or Democrat. Uh, woman, so uh, there's a, a, a bunch of questions that I would ask her, but I want to I want to try and, and and follow the the dialogue that's on the table. Um, I, I think that uh, what the Democrats have decided to do, uh, and I give my partner Mr. Mazzella credit for this, <laughs> is if they if they can attack Donald from the women's standpoint women's issues yeah they don't have to discuss the economy jobs foreign policy they don't have to discuss any of the other issues and as long as she can control the agenda of making this a war on women the less the opportunity what our guest is talking about will have an opportunity to come out now i also have to tell you that i have a piece circulating right now um that uh, that deals with uh, the the what I call the 900-pound gorilla in the room, and that's the rapist called Bill Clinton. Yes. Uh, for the lo- for the longest time, the American mainstream media gave no cre- credence to those three women and probably many many more who were assaulted by the Attorney General, Governor, or the President of the United States. And what I was so happy with, uh, Mr. Trump, for the first time in the Republican Party, standing up and saying to Mrs. Clinton, you enabled the behavior. You're as guilty as he is. Yes. So don't, don't represent yourself as being a person who's for women's rights. What I'm trying to figure out is... I'd like to hear from our guest, um, and I, I don't. I don't say this because it was used against me, or not not against me, but a, a a commentary about me. About don't get so intellectual. You've got to. She she didn't use the words, but I'm using the words. You've got to learn to dumb it down for the average person. You've got to be able to bring it down to some real basic fundamentals. So that they can understand how serious the problems are in the United States today, and as Don said, affecting women and men and blacks and Hispanics. So, what is your advice for somebody who does forty to sixty interviews a month, and we have our own radio show? What's your advice to us, Don and I, of how do we simplify it? How do we bring it down so women can understand and men can understand what the important issues are? I'm so glad you asked that, and I appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words. I, and let me clarify, it's not, and I know you didn't intend this, but let me clarify for our listeners. Yes. It's not dumb it down because Americans aren't smart. Americans are very smart, and I think they're very on to both candidates and very frustrated. 
having said that, here I was, you know, Wharton MBA, top college, on Wall Street. I went to Washington. I didn't understand a word anybody was saying for the first few weeks. It was a different <laughs> language. Yes. Then, yeah, I go to Main Street as an entrepreneur, a world I grew up in, in an entrepreneurial family. And I had to learn a whole new language. It's just that we are all busy. There's so much information. And we can only do what we can only do. So when we start talking about other areas outside of one's everyday expertise, we need to make it relatable. It has nothing to do with intelligence of the American people. If, if anything, I think they want more information. It's just better information. You know, it's not about big data, I always say. It's about smart data. The way I think we do it is to bring it to topics we can all talk about in the same, from the same vein, from the same vantage point. And that's what I do in the book. I talk about value. These chapters structure as a value that I think all Americans share and certainly that our country is built on. Values of financial independence, about personal accountability. And you could argue that both sides of the aisle, and I try to pay credence to both sides of the aisle, have a lot to say about these values and want to enhance and empower these values in Americans. And once you agree on the value, it becomes a lot easier to talk about the policy topics and look back in history to see really what's worked and what's not worked. I think as conservatives, and I'll call us out on this, because if we don't learn from ourselves, we're not going to do better in the conversation. I think we've gotten very stuck sometimes on the policies, on the intellectual arguments. And while that's noble, it's not relatable. I think if we can talk about things from the standpoint of a conversation, from the standpoint of values, it goes a lot further. Look, I spent many of my young professional formative years in New York City as one of the lone Republican women. <laughs> All of my friends are Democrats. And I couldn't understand... Jim, can I follow up with another question with her? Yes, yes. Go, 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 okay. go ahead, Dan. Jump in there. I just, I just want to follow up with what you're talking about. Um, sure. I I understand I intellectually I understand what you're saying. Let me tell you what I think is the challenge. I think the challenge is that we have a country and this is yes this is an indictment on our country. We have a country that over the years has been under the political correctness and the liberal progressive policies to the point that we've lost our value system. We can talk about values, but the country in and of itself is sorely lacking in values. Whether we value life, whether we value property, whether we value each other as human beings. You know, how do, how do, we, how do we approach our black brothers and sisters when we know that there's genocide in the inner city between the shootings and a, an abortion rate that's out of control. If we don't, if, if, if a community does not value the lives of the people in their community, how do you have, how do you talk to people about a value system when it's clearly not there? It's a great question, and it's the million dollar question. You know, I'll do my best. Those are the only ones I get paid for. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what's differentiated America in many ways from the rest of the world, and I think it's one of the hardest questions in the world to answer. Why do we get to be born or raised here when you have children as night runners in parts of Africa? I mean, it's a fundamental gift to be an American, and I think what's differentiated us is that 
we have always focused on opportunity. And it's the difference between liberalism and conservatism. Are you ensuring the opportunity or are you ensuring the outcome? We have too many people in America, both here and coming here, who are focused on the outcome. I think we've got to get back to looking at the opportunity. And the way to do it can be through public policy. I'm still a believer. I'm a very hopeful person. It's my nature. But it's got to be top down and bottoms up simultaneously. We have got to get a better public policy going in our communities to help stop these fact that 50% of pregnancies in America are unintended. Yeah, and one of every two babies in this country was not intended. Think about that. We have to do a better job at education. You know, President Bush put forward education reform. He was highly criticized for it. It's almost half high school female dropout rate. It wasn't perfect. It's now moved back to the states, which is great. But Democrats can control Congress for, uh, I mean, sorry, eight times in 40 years yeah. and never put forward education reform that got through. We've got to do a better job in our communities, and then we have to select leaders who can do a better job from the top, and we haven't done that. It's scary. Are we as Americans going to stand up for our values and principles? Are we going to get sucked into outcomes and media by culture? It's a very good question. We've got. How do, you, how do you get? People, yes. Uh, Go ahead, Dan. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll ask one more, then I'll, leave, I'll shut up and let Don talk. <laughs> uh, if, if, if that's even possible. But um, how do you get? How do you change the boat, the Queen Mary of values, when almost fifty percent of the people in the country are dependent upon the government for their very existence? There is no opportunity perceived. No opportunity, so they they default to Uncle Sam taking care of them. So they that's how they live their lives. There there is no sense of opportunity when the government says we'll take care of you. There is a problem when we have ninety four and a half million people out of a population of three hundred and forty million out of the workforce. I mean, yep. I, I understand, I, philosophically, I understand what you're saying, but from the practical standpoint, I'm not sure that it's possible to turn this ship. It is possible, though. We have to believe that, right? I mean, that is also a public policy question. If we had an immigration policy that actually worked, if we had a rule of law that was actually being enforced, and instead of, you know, police officers who can't do their job worried about a PC culture. And, and look, we need, we need better training in the police force as well, for sure. But if we had some public policy uh, levers that worked like they used to, then you could envision changing these things around. I talk about the book about my search for a nanny. It sounds like a silly thing <laughs> in such a, a complex and problematic world. But yeah. I've interviewed over 100 candidates because I could not find someone who was willing to be legal on the books who had a valid U.S. driver license, and the reason was because they lost their benefits. They lost their welfare or various benefits if they worked more than a certain number of hours a week on the books. Think about that. That is astounding in this country. We have jobs, good jobs, that people don't work because they lose their benefits. That goes back to the point. It is fixable through public policy, but we as Americans have to get educated on the way this policy impacts our lives and have to take accountability for ourselves. To your point, if we don't, it will be hard to turn the ship, and that's a very unfortunate thought. We can't give up. What's the alternative? 
Well, can I drop, drop uh, jump in here? And, yes, um, go ahead, Don. Uh, uh, across my desk. I'll let you, Don. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> okay, um, Don. Across what do you have my for desk us? yesterday came a very interesting survey that said, <clears throat> which I which I pushed back on, but but essentially said that um, um, most companies in the survey were going to hire um, a, re a part time workers for the holiday season. Yes. But the interesting fact was for the first time. Um, uh, that, that I've seen this particular study, they um, they were limiting it to an average of 27 hours. Now, why 27 hours? Well, there's something called the ACA Act, um, yep. and here are people who want to work, who can't work beca because they'd be afraid. Uh, uh, a, the employers would be afraid of having to pay um, uh, a health care tax. And they themselves would be afraid because then they'd be subject to other problems. I find that interesting. I find that we, we seem to do things haphazardly in this country rather than uh, in a way that, that, like your suggestion, a rationality. But the quote, uh, Gina Lola Brigida, I don't have to be logical. I, I'm Italian, but the rest of America has to be. <laughs> your thoughts? Well, you're absolutely... And I'm not surprised by that study because I've experienced it as a small business owner who offered health care to her employees despite our very tiny size based on principle. And referring back to my nanny search, as I, as I mentioned, we, you know, we have two and a half million more people who are expected to leave the workforce over the next seven to eight years due to work, lack of work incentives that came into effect through the ACA. We have jobs. We don't either have the right training or the right incentives for people to want them. Do you know when our economy had one of its greatest, greatest economic expansions? You know, of course. It's the 80s and early 90s before Bill Clinton took office when yes. government spending was less than 20% of GDP, taxes weren't quite so complicated, and businesses were able to start and thrive. There are public policy solutions to these problems. The question is whether, as a country, we're going to hold accountable leaders to find them. What's so dismaying to me, having served in the White House in this capacity, and having been a business person, is that we are speaking two different languages, Pennsylvania Avenue and Wall Street and Main Street, uh, or three different languages. And it's a complex thing, our economy. I devote out of seven chapters in my book to, to just the economy, to making it really clear for people, because it's very complex. But the reality is there are some very simple fixes. They're not panaceas, but there are some pretty simple public policy fixes that would certainly put us in the right direction. We have not had a president um, in quite a while now, thanks to Obama, when uh, arguably, you know, while Trump is a savvy businessman, Wilkie understand this from a more macro perspective, who is willing to focus on this element because it's so complex and spend the time. George W. Bush, President George W. Bush, had that understanding. Unfortunately, given the terror crisis, you know, had, was somewhat sidetracked, though I think he did the best he could and did an effective job. We have a long way to go, and I think but my question to you is, think about how, how could Hillary Clinton, holding a president who has never met a... Sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. I just... Uh, my, my objection, Hillary Clinton has never met a payroll. And uh, to me, that, that, uh, that to me uh, really makes me worried. Because uh, her answer for everything is to put uh, coal miners out of work, uh, various other people... 
and uh, and she thinks this is progress. And I worry, is it progress or uh, simply a, a not understanding how, how this country works? I hope every listener will listen to this one fact, male or female. And females are 40% of the breadwinners in America today, so it's extra important that they listen. If you have a presidential candidate who has never signed a front of a paycheck and whose best economic credential is her spouse or his spouse, then we have a problem because economics are a fundamental driver of the problems in this country. They're not the only driver, but they're a big one. And so it is a real pickle for Americans as they go to vote. There may be many things to admire and that voters may like about Hillary Clinton. That is fine. But the fact that she does not really understand the mechanics of our economy is very concerning and should be extremely concerning to women who really are controlling the purse strings in many cases as small business owners and as breadwinners. Let me, let me follow up this with another question for you. Okay. Um, I... Uh, did you want to say something, Jim, or just? Well, I, I wanted I wanted to, uh, to to go through and identify everybody, just in case people have tuned in uh, late. Here, we're we're speaking with Dan Perkins, best-selling author, and uh, also Don Mazzella, and he is from SB Digest. They comprise two guys from Verona each and every Tuesday on W4CY, and uh, also our special guest today, Kathy Lynn Taylor, author of Red Is the New Black: How Women Can Fashion a More Powerful America. Kathy was President George W. Bush's National Security Council's Director for International Finance Policy Responds, and uh, she is with us today here on our broadcast. Dan, go ahead and jump in there with your question, my friend. Yeah, I wanted Kathy. I wanted to. I wanted to follow up on on what you just said. Um, what seems clear to me, I, actually, it's a two part question. I'll give you the first. I'll give you both, and you can choose which one you want to answer. The, the first part is that that Mrs. Clinton seems to be running on a campaign that she needs to be the first woman president. That America needs a woman president now, and she's the most qualified to, to be that woman president. And I'm not so sure that, that, that that's true. And I'm curious, from your perspective, you know, when we had Barack Obama running for president in 2008, there were a lot of people who thought it was time for America to have a black president, regardless of his experience. And many of those people, based on what's happened over the last seven and a half years, regret that decision. Um, he also, like Mrs. Clinton, never had a payroll, uh, never really had a job other than a community organizer and a politician. So my concern is, do you think there is a, a strong element within the female vote in the United States that wants to vote for Hillary regardless of what her experiences are simply because she would be the first woman? That's the first question. And number two, in a totally different tangent, you talk about reform, and my concern is that many of the issues that we're experiencing today, whether it's border, whether it's immigration, whatever it is, we already have laws on the books that we're not enforcing. So reform, in my mind, is creating new laws to replace the other laws that weren't enforced. And I'm not so sure that we need a lot of reform as much as we need a lot of enforcement of what's already on the books. Pick which well, either one you want to go with. Second first, because it's, yeah, because it's easy and I agree with you. Uh, thank you for clarifying. So thank you for your 
clarification from the nurse by reform that can very much mean enforcement. Did we lose Kathy? No, there's Kathy. I'm sorry. Yeah, Kathy, you 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 were kind of breaking up there there for a minute. Go okay. ahead and go ahead and repeat your your answer there. Absolutely. First, just because I think I can be a little more concise about it, uh, but it's a very important that you make. By before you know, fix. I very much include the and I write about that. Well, particularly it's true with financial policy, it's true with trade and aid. We do have a lot of laws on the book. There's no need to create reform on top of reform that just adds layer of bureaucracy. In many cases, not all. If we were to enforce or leverage technologies to better enforce, to better track, to better measure, then we could do very well with the law. That's an excellent point. The question about women in America, very honestly, absolutely, there is a large segment of women in this country, I absolutely is, who just feel that it is time for a woman. That those women are going to feel the same way that many African American voters now feel about Barack Obama. Yeah, and it's yep. not a good for leadership. Um, however, having said that, there is a big statement, bigger than I might even expect, who are frustrated with those women don't understand how she's going to help them and would like to support someone else. And it's not surprisingly necessarily from comments of women that most concern them about Trump. It's his inconsistent behavior. It's the childlike attributes sometimes that we see. It's it's the um, uh it strikes a and a woman is the other child I have to take care of. And so I think maybe folks who are thinking about it a little differently than I am, which is that I think women are, are willing to overlook a lot because they're smart and they understand, we understand, the challenges we have around the terror, and we want someone who can fix that. Um, there is certainly a swath who wants Hillary for Hillary, um, but there is a swath who would like some real solutions they don't want someone they have to worry about, and so that's the challenge. Kathy, if... if this is the thing that I've, I've, I've been thinking about for a long time, and I, I, I would really much like your take on this. Um, I, I have, the, I, I may be Pollyannish in what I'm about to say, but let me tell you what I, what I think and I hope. With, with, with over 70% of the, of the American population thinking that Hillary Clinton is dishonest, that is a character trait. Mr. Trump may have some ego problems, but character in terms of integrity, lying to the public. I watched her lie Sunday night that she wasn't around when President Obama drew the line in the sand when, in fact, she was. She didn't leave till well after that. Will, will women, and then to the broader issue, will American voters walk into that voting booth and when they reach to pull the lever or to scratch the ballot, whatever they're going to do, will they vote for somebody that they buy? One believe that the, over seventy percent believe the economy is going the wrong direction, and will they vote for somebody who's perceived to be a crook? And it really becomes back to a value question, Kathy. What's the yeah. outcome? What is the value proposition there? Right. It, it's a very perplexing value proposition that anybody. 
delivered in any way, shape, or form. And I know that there's a lot of mudslinging, but I'd actually encourage women and men to focus on that. You know, you may not want to get behind the argument that she lied or she broke a law. Okay, fine. But look at how, as a senator, as Secretary of State, she's delivered for her district and for the country. Go back and look at those policies and see who's benefited. How did New York State benefit during the financial crisis? How much legislation did she put forward to remedy things for her state during the financial crisis? And was any of it realized? Very little and not. So even if we don't want to get into what he said, she said about what the real situation with her, which I think is appalling, but nonetheless, if you want to just take that off the table, just the impact alone is enough to say, gosh, are you sure that your values and your needs are going to be met by this candidate? The answer really, if you look very tactically at the data, is a widespread no. But that has to be balanced by the fact that Donald Trump has run a very unusual campaign. He's a very unusual candidate. And while I'm sure the Clinton campaign has been collecting information on him for the last 14 months to dump in the last 30 days, (laughs) I mean, it's very clear, and that's the kind of campaign they do, and that's very clear, that people are worried about the inconsistent behavior. And that's going to be the question. Which, Which do voters feel better about, you know, as my husband said to me the other night, he goes, this is a choice between bad and worse, and that's a good way to describe it for a lot of Americans. <laughs> it's hard to say which believer they're going to pull when they come in. I think many people really don't know. I would venture to say there's probably no way to really assess this. I don't think people are even speaking their true feelings to the polls right now, but I bet there's a bigger pool of undecided voters in each party than ever before. Well, the New York Times is saying that uh, Hillary win, uh, will win on the uh, mail ballots. That's what the New York Times is, is reporting just now. And we all believe the all Times. Right, well, <laughs> look, I mean, <laughs> polling is very challenging. It, it hasn't been particularly predictive most of this election throughout the primaries and now. And just look at one very simple stat to uh, really illustrate that. Obama has a pretty high approval rating, and yet 70% of the country is dissatisfied, and that's not a red or a blue thing. That's across the aisle, right? So that itself, how do you reconcile that? Yeah. So it's very hard to partake it. I hear a lot of whispering everywhere. Um, you're on my book tour, and uh, I think people are going to be making a lot of last-minute decisions in this election. Yes. Yes, I, I, I but, will. But but what's going to, what's Kathy? What's if, let's assume that you're right. What's going to be the tipping point? That those, <laughs> I mean, is it, is, does it come back to the issue that you started on the program when you talked about values? If the American people are, as I believe in many cases, a lot of them, not necessarily all the voters, but a lot of Americans have lost their value propositions. Uh, of right and wrong, and 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 you know, if you if you look at it from a from a value standpoint, what what she's done, and the fact that the FBI said that she was abusive with national security, the 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 horrendous uh, abuse of power with Clinton meeting with the Attorney General. A few days before the FBI announces that right. there's not there, there was no intent when there is no provision 
in the federal statute to deal with intent. Um, she she comes across as as getting extremely favorable treatment. She 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 gets a subpoena from the Congress, and after the subpoena has been delivered, she destroys files, but no accountability. So. You know, if you were writing a movie, will the, is the country going to hold her accountable when they walk into the voting booth to pull the lever? I'm sorry? Are, are they going to hold so, her, her accountable when they go to pull the lever? It's hard to say. You know, I, I, there is a big portion of Democrats who have a little bit of buyer's remorse with Obama and wish they had chosen Clinton. Are not happy with the position they're in, but feel they have no other option. It's just not her, and they are still going to pull the lever for her. I think there is a big portion of Democrats who are not supportive of her, but they are trying to reconcile the following: are the values that Trump is purporting to fix for the country, and I think that's what he's done best in this campaign. His message has been about values: protecting America, a strong America, jobs for everyone, in America. That that is a more of a value message. That's why it struck the heart of Americans, but can they reconcile that with personal values? And that's the part that he's going to have to make a narrower gap on over the next 27 or whatever we're down to nowadays. Um, uh, I think that that's the real question, because you're right, it is a values conversation. I believe Americans are clamoring for their values to be back. I believe they want this. I believe that's why Trump has been as effective as he has, despite a fairly... uh, um, um, interesting campaign strategy, uh, to say the least. Because he struck that message of values, people are clamoring for that kind of 1950s America. Yeah, there's a the CNN poll came out after the debate was reported this morning. Had Hillary 47, Trump 42. But if you read deeper into the story, Kathy, what you find out is that that CNN oversampled Democrats by 20%. So that they, out of 100 potential voters, they only surveyed 21 Republicans. And she was only up by five. And and, 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 um, O'Reilly said last night, where she was up seven or eight or nine or ten after Friday, uh, he said, I would be surprised if she's up by three to five points on Thursday. Uh, She cannot... She can, even with all of the stuff that Mr. Trump has experienced, he doesn't go away. He didn't go away over the weekend when everybody thought he was going to go away. And his supporters are strong. And, you know, it could very well be that be, it, it reminds me of what's happened. And I don't know whether you studied this, whether you studied the Brexit vote. But what was clearly going on is that the, the, the people who were in favor of staying kept saying that they were ahead, they were ahead, and they were ahead. Uh, and even up to the election day, they believed they were going to win. And yet, when the people went to the, vault, the, the polls, it was not the elites that turned the election. It was the laborers. It was the common people who turned the election. And it was uh, a four- to five-point swing. Um, I think you could have a four- to five-point swing in a presidential election that you're not seeing right now, um, as Don did uh, last week. We're doing a, a commentary on tonight's show about about what's going on in in Colombia, how um, 
the people rejected the, the talks with the communists. What's going on in, in Europe, where the governments are now saying, enough with the immigration, we're losing our heritage and our culture, and people are becoming more nationalistic, less global in nature. Uh, there is a shift going on in the world, uh, perhaps back to a value base, for back to the traditions of where they came from. Whether it's going to happen in the United States, it would appear that it might, but whether it's enough to put him over the top, I don't know. But this, there is a revolution going on in the world against political correctness and about globalism. Now, Don, uh, g- give us your thoughts on all this. You've been uh, yeah, sitting well, there taking all this in. Yeah, Dan does such a good job. You know, um, in my view, um, uh, Dan well knows I'm not particularly enamored of uh, Donald Trump. But but by the same token, I'm uh, uh, scared um, very much of Hillary Clinton. We've had eight years of stagnant growth, and I, I and, and you know um, when it, when it comes right down to it, I'll ask our guests this question: Women always vote their pocketbooks. Why should they vote for Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump? That's all I was going to ask. <laughs> Kathy, Kathy, you cut out there for a second. Re- repeat, please. There's no reason they should. If women study the past 30 years and they look at the economic policies, when they were put in place, by which president, and how they've been impactful, it's not always right away, right? Economic policies take time to see the full impact. Yeah. Republican presidents benefited them from every aspect in the community, small business. I mean, there's statistic after statistic. There is no reason economically that a woman or a man should vote for Hillary Clinton based on her performance or the performance of Bill Clinton. That's requiring every American to either read my book or do a whole lot of homework. Which I hope they do on either front. But I'm not sure it's going to happen in the next 27 days. I, I, I was sometime in a real working man's bar uh, Friday night, and um, we were talking, and uh, all the men at that bar said one thing: he's some horn dog. And, and they spoke with. <laughs> I saw the. Are we talking about? Are we talking about Bill Clinton or Trump? <laughs> Bill Clinton. They 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 totally passed on, um, and anybody that's been to a, a, a bar or even. You know, uh, on Saturday night, I was at a very swank affair at the rooftop of a New York City hotel um, where uh, the young things uh, meet and greet. I was invited by uh, a liquor company to look and see what they were, uh, how this thing works. And you want to know something? These millenniums, these kids who are supposed to be so liberal and so uh, uh, with it with women, you know, they were using the same lines I was using 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> hey, good things never change. If it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Uh, you know, it, it was uh, truly ex- extraordinary. I don't mean it's um, it, it, it just, uh, to me, it just, um, when we ever talk about these uh, issues, and by the way, I once put together an all-female sales force that outsold the rest of the company's um, sales force by over 50%. Um, because, uh, you know, with, with they used to have a saying, if, um, a, a woman will, be, uh, will have to work twice as hard to be 
um, as good. Thank God they do it. And, you know, right. there's a lot to be said. I but I th <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm happy to be married to an MBA from Harvard. So, um, uh, but the point I, I would re really like to make is I, th I think we've just put women in a different category as we put Hispanics, as blacks, and everybody else. And where is it? Well, why aren't we talking about melt the melting pot of America rather than this business? Uh, women are not going to vote. I, I think a small percentage will vote because of Hillary for women, but they will vote uh, if they don't like Trump, maybe, but they will vote. Whoever articulates the next four, 20 uh, days away for America to, to prosper. That's the key to this election. I've been saying that for months, and it's still the key. And I'll but shut Don, up. The, no, the, but Don, the, the, the point of where, I would, where I would suggest to you of where the flaw is, not so much in your argument, the flaw in the country. Yes, we are a nation of immigrants. We are a nation of immigrants who assimilated into the American culture, who learned the laws, the language, and respect for one another. We do not have an assimilation culture. We have a segregation culture. We're now back to segregating blacks in colleges because they want to be in black-only dorms. So we, are, we have lost the assimilation power that made us great as a nation we are no longer assimilating. And if we can't go back to assimilating, I believe we're, we're going to be in serious, serious trouble. Agreed. Well, how does our guest feel? Yeah, Kathy, give us your thoughts I, on that. Sure. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, thanks for asking. And, and um, I think it goes back to your earlier point about rule of law. I mean, when young women can't go to work without fear of being shot, can't leave a concert they've given without fear of being shot. Can't be a young reporter in Virginia without fear of being shot. You know, what kind of society is that? What are we creating for our children? We, you know, without a rule of law and a fundamental civil society that teaches respect. You know, it's an interesting statistic, not that many people know. The vast majority of hospitals in this country are nonprofits. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because they came that way because they were, in many cases, many, many, many years ago, started as out of religious organizations. That's why they were nonprofit organizations. Yeah. I'm not advocating everybody to become, you know, religious. Hopefully, you are. Whatever spirituality drives you, that's that's fine. I'm not making a judgment. But what I am saying is that we had community structures in civil society that grounded people. They gave us a chance to connect with their values and each other. We live in a very global and mobile world, and we've lost some of that. And part of it is hearkening back to that. How do we do it? It's not easy. Uh, but if we can't do it and we can't enforce the rules along the way, you have, as, as, as you said, a very big issue. Could I ask, a, uh, I'm going to go way off the wall, but could I ask our <laughs> guest a question? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead, Don. Uh, the third most popular network uh, of all the networks um, around is the Hallmark Channel, which is pure smaltz. You know, <laughs> boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy finds girl. I don't know if you uh, are aware Poor of that. Poor guy. 
No, never, never. Oh, never on the Hallmark, uh, on Hallmark channel. channel. Never. never on the Hallmark they're just channel, now, Danny. They're, they're just now introducing blacks into the uh, programming. And, and by the way, today is National Coming Out Day for all you gays uh, and lesbians out there. It's time to come out. Um, <laughs> I didn't uh, think there were any left to come out, but that's one person's opinion. Oh, there are a lot. There, there are a lot. I just found out over the weekend somebody. Uh, anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> okay, yeah, different get, get, back on track, Don. Back on track. <laughs> Go ahead, well, you Don. Me off of, uh, you know, first off, I want to thank this guest. Um, you're, you're a really terrific guest. Um, uh, I've learned a lot from a you. you um, and I appreciate it. But again, well, the only reason I bring that up is the Hallmark Channel is one of old values um, and all the things, and yet it's and it's very popular. They they have to turn away advertisers. Um, yet we we seem to be focused on the, the media. The, uh, in front of me right now is the New York Times front page, and you know what's on the cover on the front? A picture of Hillary Clinton gazing off into the uh, the distance. But, but uh, I, I, which is making me angrier as I watch it. But the point I'd like to make, what do you think about that? Uh, is there a, a solid core of Americans that still believe in those old values? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we just have to find a way to help people get there and find it, whether it's finding time by providing, providing better resources for, you know, dual working families so that they can have a little bit of free time to connect whether that's religiously or in another way. Um, but I think most Americans still believe in America and the American dream. I, I do think that's why, as I said, Trump hit a quarter of the money. That's not all for sure. Um, uh, you know, people, I think there's so little left to feel good about. You know, you look at some of these channels like HDTV, it's one of the only things you can turn on and not see an explosion or bad news or someone harmed. Um, and I think, you know, there's that element of the Hallmark Channel. I, I think people still want to feel good. This is still the country everybody in the world wants to come to, by far and away more than any other. Yeah. And so I, I think that we've got, we have something to save. Um, and as, as frustrated and as often pessimistic as I and often many of us feel about it, we see that in that 70% dissatisfaction statistic. There is still so much to save. It's still the best country in the world. Um, and at the first, it's not going to happen overnight, and it's going to be a long, long haul. We didn't get here by accident, but we are still in the country in the state of the world, and here's our opportunity. I believe the time now. That's why I wrote the book now, and I think the best way to start is by having a conversation, which is, by the way, no different than the way you would start at home if there was a problem in the home. You would start with a conversation. Mm. Nancy, Kathy, just you, you, Dan, let me go Kathy. through this because this is I'm very important. I just got just got an email from uh, one of my sources saying um, Hillary Clinton is sicker than she lets on. How do you think that affects the race, Nancy? Kathy, Kathy. Kathy. yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I will tell you, I, I've, Kathy. I've uh, no, no, no worries at all. I've made it a personal policy not to comment on anybody's health. I, I just I don't feel like it's a very um, professional thing to do unless it's unless it's a real clear issue. It is obviously an issue here. I think it's a concern. I don't think it's my place to comment on it, but I do think it has concerns. Where I don't think it has concerns is in her core base, and that's why I think there is a larger percentage of people who do not know which way they're going to vote still. 
than is being reported, and that is one driver. Um, whether I think it's a bigger issue or not is, is you know, maybe not as relevant. Um, but it is certainly an issue, and I think it drives more towards that undecided. I think the polling on the size of the undecided vote is very, is, is very underestimated. Yeah. Kathy, let me ask you a question. Uh, we, talk, we go back to this values issue. Um, when when my grandparents immigrated immigrated from Germany and Ireland and England, they came to America because they believed America was the land of opportunity. But we have untold number of immigrants coming to the United States today for the welfare benefits. Yep, it's the, it's the wrong it's it's the wrong motivation, Kathy. It is. You know, I wonder sometimes, do they give classes in other countries about how to game the American system? <laughs> I'm sure they do. I'm, I'm sure, sure they do. I'm sure they do, actually. They know more about our system than I do. It's unbelievable. It is truly unbelievable. I, I'd love to get some insight on that. That would be a very interesting undercover report. But but it's a very important question. Um, you know, we have a real problem. We have the wrong carrots and sticks. And it's created a really, really big problem, as we've spoken about. It goes back to opportunities versus outcomes, and that guarantee. Everybody wants it yesterday. There's not a patience. There's not a willingness to work hard. And we have to go back to our Constitution about our, uh, what it means to be an American, which is a fundamental acceptance of the responsibility to do for yourself all that you can and to work towards a more perfect union for everyone. It's not a perfect union. It's a more perfect union. Yes. It doesn't mean that if there's a disaster, there's not security for you. There's not a safety net. But the notion of coming here or being here, it's not just immigrants who have this problem. It's also many of us. We want it yesterday. And that's somewhat a function of a global, wired world and seeing what you can't have. You know, I have a, a relative who went to China in the 80s through the U.S. government on a sponsored trip by the U.S. government. And they came back and they said, it's amazing. You know, people have bicycles. If you want a refrigerator, it takes about six months of saving your entire salary to purchase it. But people seem very happy. And if you go to China today, that's not necessarily the case, right? We know now of the gross poverty um, and the many, many challenges economically and otherwise there, the censorship and, and human rights violations. And because the the world is in their face available to see. We Everybody can see what everybody doesn't have, and that's a very tough place to operate from. I don't know exactly how to solve that. I know that media accountability is one way to do it. But, you know, it, 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 that comes back to a value questions as well. We can't have everything. We can't have it yesterday. How do we raise our children to understand that? How do we help new Americans understand that? Uh, I think it's I think it's a, it's an it's an important issue. I, I I look at I look at Hillary on Sunday when she's saying she's not disagreeing with Donald Trump that she wants to bring in hundreds of thousands of more Syrians uh, and do the best job we can to vet them. Yet we know if anybody understands the vetting process, you have to have the cooperation of the government. They're coming from, and we have no cooperation from Syria. So there's really no way to vet a Syrian refugee as a good guy or a bad guy, regardless of whether they're male, female, or children. No one knows. And I think what Trump is trying to say is that we've, we've gone through that for the last eight years. She wants an open border. 
an open border, unrestricted access to come into the United States is going to be the end of our country as we know it. It sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> it's what it is. What it does. Um, yeah, I mean, look. sounds like a what? It sounds like a nightmare, Dan. Oh yeah. <laughs> go 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 ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kathy, Kathy and uh, uh, finish finish up on that point, my friend. Yeah. Well, thanks. It's it's a great point. Look, there's so much of this we're not even talking about, right? I mean, you can come through Canada. A Syrian can come through Canada very easily. In a lot of holes. This yes. is not the only one. Sometimes I get frustrated. We use this issue over and over. There's a lot of other ways to get here that are problematic. You know, our immigration system is mm -hmm. broken. I would actually say that we should stop the immigration system for a few months. I mean, whole companies are built today. Whole technology companies are built in a few months. With a very effective team, we could certainly do diligence and pass some holes in our immigration policy if we really took a private sector approach with the most talented people in a couple of months. I would say unless you need a immediate health kind of life or death issue that you're coming in for and approved for, or reunite the family, then we're going to put on hold for a few months until we can make some fixes. It won't be perfect, but we'll start the process, get the process in place, and then we'll Kathy, we, you may you may be aware that we did tremendous restrictions on immigration from 1924 to 1960 because of the decades of massive immigration. We called it the period of assimilation in history to allow those immigrants to come in and become Americans. And as I said earlier, we don't have a period of assimilation. You're talking about a period of, of, of slowing the growth of immigration to allow those people to come in and become part of America, as opposed to just keep filling more and more and more and more with no assimilation and no no verification. I think it's a dangerous, dangerous preposition. And I, I know we're almost out of time, but Kathy, um, we had a great time with you. In fact, we'd like to uh, talk to you off air about how we can invite you for our 8 o'clock show sometime in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do it. Thank you so much for having me. Now, uh, now, Kathy. Before we let you go, uh, I, I want to go around the around the horn here. Don, how do we get a hold of you online? Pick up your book and everything. And then we'll let Dan uh -huh. jump in. Then we'll let Kathy jump in, uh -huh. and then we'll say goodbye for the day. Well, recalculating biz. Um, Ninety seven experts on how to grow your business, going gangbusters, um, and uh, I guess the other thing is hashtag two SB digest. That's the uh, other one. Um, those are the two ways you, you can best get, get me. And Dan, how do we get a hold of you, my friend? Well, he didn't tell you, but DonMazilla.com for his American <laughs> Family Sampler book, which is terrific. So I, I'll remind him. <laughs> I know. Uh, DanPerkins.guru is from my book website. The books are available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, and the Foundation... For veterans is songs and stories for soldiers dot us. Thank you. And Jim, send me a note after the show how we get a hold of Kathy. Oh yes, I will pass along her PR uh, folks and uh, and and they will they they can get in touch with you, Kathy. Before we let you go, how do we find you online, my friend, and and pick up the book and everything else? Oh, and first of all, thank you guys for such a great conversation. It was such a privilege and pleasure to be included with you tonight. I can be reached uh, through KathyLynnTaylor.com. And uh, at Kathy Taylor, feel free to reach out or message me. Uh, I'd love to continue the conversation. I think it's so important for Americans to have. 
My book, yes. Red is the New Black, How Women Can Fashion a More Powerful America, is not just for women. I promise you it will make clear how policy is really made and works for you <laughs> in this country. It's available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and local bookstores, and I look forward to it. I hope everyone will reach out. Well, thank you guys, we look forward and, to it. and th- thank you, Kathy, and uh, we will talk to uh, Dan Perkins next week. Don Mazzella is off next week, but we'll reconnect with him the following week. And Kathy, I will follow up with you. I appreciate you making time for us today, everybody. Likewise. Thank you. Good night. Thank you, Kathy. Thank Bye. you, Don. Thank you, Dan. And uh, that is that, the world-famous Cheeky Jaguar Radio Program. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.